You're listening to The Unsunday Show. Leaving behind religious obligation to find a more authentic expression of Christ in us, this is The Unsunday Show. Hey, Mike Adams here with the Unsunday Show. I want to welcome you to this edition of Morning Coffee. I think this is number three of Morning Coffee. I'm really enjoying doing these. I hope you're benefiting from it too and getting a lot of encouragement from it. It's nice to have just a little bit of face-to-face time. It's like sitting down with a friend across the table, enjoying a cup of coffee together as we talk. And so that's what I want this to be. I want this just to be a very informal time, like two friends sitting down chatting. Hey, the topic that I want to talk about today on Morning Coffee on the Sunday show is the idea of the gates of hell prevailing against the church. You remember in Matthew 16 when Jesus uh, responded to Peter's uh, statement there that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus responded and said, you know, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But you know, the problem with that is that the word church isn't in there anywhere. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about some implications of that. You know, the system of church that we have uh, with us today is, is man-made. It's, it's a product of church history. It's impossible to read church history and, and not come away with uh, that conclusion or a similar conclusion. The system that we call church today that we're also bound to and that we think we have to be committed to is something that was brought to us, man-made, by the product of church history. When Jesus said that the gates of hell won't prevail against my church, that's not what he said. He said the gates of hell won't prevail against the ecclesia, and that's true. You know, there was a TV series here in America years ago called Under the Dome. Have you ever seen that? Did you see that? I think it was like three or four seasons long. And then it kind of went the way of Lost. I don't know if you ever watched Lost, but it kind of went the way of Lost, and it seemed like the writers lost direction, didn't really know what to do with it. Ended up something about butterflies or whatever. But it's based on a Stephen King novel, and it's called Under the Dome. And the premise of the series and the premise of the book is that there's this small, quaint town somewhere in, you know, the heart of USA that is just kind of pleasantly moving along, minding its own business. Life is good. You know, life is peaceful. And then all of a sudden, this this giant dome descends over the entire town, and it's a transparent dome. No one can see it. But it, it, it descends on this town, and it traps everybody within the town. And the whole premise of the show is people that are in the town can't get out of the town because there's this dome. You can't fly out. You can't fly in. You can't come in. You can't go out. You're, you're kind of separated from the rest of the world by this glass dome. Well, I think there's an analogy there between church and the ecclesia. Because in that show, The Dome, and in that book, Under the Dome, to me, the small town that's there is kind of representative of the ecclesia that Jesus is building. It's kind of it's kind of a analogy there of the ecclesia. And what we've done in church history is we've lowered this dome on top of the ecclesia, and the dome is called church. And it's the system of institutional Christianity or institutional church that we've lowered onto the dome. And of course, in the show, the whole idea is, you know, people inside the dome are trying to figure out how to get out and people outside the dome are trying to figure out how to get in. And that really, I guess, doesn't really have anything to do with my analogy beyond the fact that we are trapped in this system that we call church. And 
a lot of us don't question it. We don't question how we got there. We don't question the validity of it. But we've got this system imposed upon the ecclesia that's really defined the boundaries of the ecclesia and has kept the ecclesia trapped inside of it. And those within the ecclesia who are starting to see things differently and are starting to wake up to this fact that we've got this system of church superimposed upon us are those that are trying to get outside that dome. And there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us doing that. But we've come to understand that the system that we call church today in our culture is really a system of conformity. It's a system of conformity to the rules that really doesn't need to be there. You know, there's a big difference between conformity and transformation. In the book of Romans, you know, Paul said, be, be transformed. He said, it's actually present tense. It's passive voice. Be being transformed. That's a work of the Holy Spirit to, to transform our thinking, to transform our minds as we understand more and more about this amazing grace that God has given us. That's a lot different than conformity, because within a system of church, it's been lowered down onto the ecclesia. It's all about conformity to the rules. And you know, you're never doing enough. You never feel like you're doing enough. And you'll hear sermons about not doing enough. And, you know, we kind of beat each other up with uh, the idea that we're insufficient, we're incomplete, and we're just not measuring up and not doing enough. And I suppose on one hand, that's true. When you're in that system, you really are never doing enough. But you have to conform to the rules, whatever the rules are of the dome that we're in, you know, the individual dome that we're in. We have to conform to the rules that come along with that dome and, and with that system that we call church. But that isn't the ecclesia. There's a big difference between uh, conforming and transformation. Transformation is just a renewing of our minds. You know, the word repent, that's another word that we've done a lot of things with over the years. We've kind of turned it into a, a religious penance kind of a thing, you know, another work, another thing to please God with. But repentance, really, at its core, just means to change your mind. And if the Holy Spirit is transforming me and transforming my thinking, then my mind is constantly changing. That's why I think that the Christian life is really a, a life of repentance, because I'm being transformed constantly by the Holy Spirit, and it's Him doing it. But that's apart from the rules. You know, when I was a pastor, I was in that system of conformity. I was at the top of the ladder. I was on the top rung. And I was one of the ones making the decisions of, uh, you know, what the rules were and what had to be conformed to. And so I know what that's like. I was there. And it burned me out. And as many of you know, I, you know, hit a wall of performance and crashed and burned. And, you know, that was 12 years ago now, looking back on that. And my, my ideas and my thoughts about the system that we call church are completely different today than what they were then. And part of that is coming to the realization that it's not a system of conformity. It's a system of transformation. And in that system that we call church, you never feel adequate, do you? You never feel like you're, you're done. You never feel like it's finished. But in the ecclesia, in the body of Christ, we come to realize that it is finished and that the work is done and that I get to rest. Even when I'm you know, wanting to do things for God, which is a good thing, I don't do them out of obligation or duty or fear of reprisal if I fail to do them. I do them because I can. I do them because I'm free to do it. I do it because I'm free to fail. I do it because I'm free to succeed. I do it because the Holy Spirit is in me. And Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. And he's transforming you and changing you from the inside out. Not 
demanding that you conform to external rules that have been placed on you by that system called the church. And so when I think about church and I think about the ecclesia, you know, that analogy of the dome does come to mind. And, and let me ask you this, if the gates of hell could prevail against the church, would that be a bad thing? I mean, think about it. If the church were to crumble, if the dome were to be absolved or dissolved, rather, and the town was left intact, would that be a bad thing? Would setting those people free be a bad thing? If the system that we call church is prevailed against some way, somehow, and it dissolves, guess what emerges? The ecclesia, the body of Christ, because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the ecclesia. And so anything that helps us to cast off the, the, uh, the burdens that we carry, to get rid of the things that keep us from enjoying the amazing liberty and freedom from sin that we have in Jesus, uh, casting that off is a good thing. And so if the gates of hell ever prevailed against the system that we call church, I say bring it on, because it's at that point that the true ecclesia has a chance to emerge, and that as our minds are being transformed, we start to think about, hey, I am free in Jesus, and I don't need this system around me. I don't need to live under the dome. You know, it didn't take us very long, did it, to get to the point where uh, the system of church that God imposed upon the ecclesia began to take over. You know, that quote that I've shared with you so many times from Ignatius of Antioch, which you know was around 107 or 110 AD, where he talked about putting in this system of conformity, is really what it was. It was a system of conformity and hierarchy where the pastors were in charge, and that grew into you know pastors being over pastors, being over other pastors, and the honorific titles that evolved out of that eventually. And by 250 AD, that was solidly in place in almost all of the ecclesias, where you, you really couldn't do anything without the, the pastor or the bishop present. That was an intentional uh, move on the part of the system that we call church. It began to be put in place very early on, but we don't see anything in the New Testament about that. That's all church history. That's all man-made. And then, of course, with Constantine in the early 4th century, about 325 AD, we have Christianity becoming the legal state religion. And not only was it, at that point, acceptable to uh, be part of the established religion, it was against the law not to be. And so conformity became the rule of the day. Those within a geographical location were compelled to conform to infant baptism in order to show that they were part of that church that existed at the time. And again, that's a system we call church. That's not the ecclesia. But everyone in a geographic location was then forced to be baptized to show that they were part of that sacral, that Christian sacral system that was in place, and it was everybody in a given community, whether they were believers or not. And so that thing just kind of steamrolled. You know, we look at it through the Reformation, nothing really changed. The Reformers didn't move very far from Rome, did they? They just got a bigger army. They got a different army. And they started to enforce different sets of rules on the believers. But it's a system that's there of conformity. It's a system of their, it's a system that was in place of conformity through coercion and through threat of death and punishment if you didn't conform. But that's not the ecclesia. That's that system that we call church. Now, today we don't see it in that extreme, you know, not, in a, not like we did back under Constantine and under, you know, Romanism way back then. But we still see the same kind of thing in a, in a micro scale, don't we? 
we see, you know, denomination here and denomination here and denomination there. And those are like, you know, separate little domes that have come down over little portions of the ecclesia of the body of Christ here and there, kind of scattered around. And within that dome, there's still that system of conformity. We see honorific titles, we put pastors in charge, you know, we, we, we have this structure that we've been handed, and we don't question it. We don't stop and say, wow, do I need to be doing this? But with the coronavirus and the pandemic, one thing ought to ring true with this is that no, we don't need to be doing this. God doesn't require you to go to a Sunday event. If you want to go to a Sunday event, go to a Sunday event. But it's not something that's required of you. He doesn't require you to sit through a weekly lecture. Now, if you want to do that, go do that. But you don't have to. And one thing that this pandemic ought to be teaching us and ought to be showing us is that the things that the system that's called church have told us for so long that we need to be doing, we really don't need to be doing. Because God's opinion of us is set. It's never going to change. Christian, you are righteous. Christian, you are qualified. Christian, your sins have been forgiven. And the writer of Hebrews says that it's by that one sacrifice of Jesus that he's cleansed you of your sins forever, and he's made you perfect. And that's apart from any system of conformity. You don't need it. And so if you're questioning that, if you're starting to come out of, uh, you're starting to change your understanding of what church is as opposed to ecclesia, and you're starting to see things, listen to the Holy Spirit and realize that that dome of, of churchianity has been placed over the body of Christ. And it's man-made and it's propped up. And it doesn't need to be there. Hey, I'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate you joining me on this morning coffee. Again, I think this is number three. I forgot to look before I started, but I think that's what it is. And we'll do it again soon. Sound good? Have a good day. Thank you for joining us on the Unsunday Show. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at unsunday.com.